Well, wasn't that a disaster? Vikings fall 14-7 to to the Cleveland Browns. We're here to pick up all the pieces and insult those who deserve it here on the Locked On Vikings podcast. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Come something to YouTube if you want to see uh, some occasional bunny footage and uh, tortured facial expressions as I go over the happenings of a team that constantly annihilates me. We got to talk about the 14-7 as much as we don't want to. We have to talk about the 14-7 loss to the Cleveland Browns at home. Browns come in, don't do a lot on offense. They put up 14, but they absolutely shellack on defense and the Vikings offense, especially the offensive line. And we'll talk a lot about them. Don't worry about it. Uh, just got the crap kicked out of them and they couldn't move the ball. They couldn't get anywhere. Um, I think the stat that probably defines this one is five, three and outs and a one play drive. That was a, a deep shot on the first play that got intercepted. Uh, so call that six drives that got no first downs. That's obscene that's disgusting uh the the game started off looking a little better they drove down right away they scored um then the browns drove all the way down to scoring distance they did a turnover on downs but everything kind of stalled out from there and actually the game stayed in seven to zero for a while um the browns went down and scored there was a debacle we'll talk about later um that ended in, in that being a seven to eight score and then for the rest of the game, the Browns only got a couple field goals, but the Vikings just stalled and punted and punted and punted and punted and had a bunch more drives at the end, uh, turn, over, turn it over on downs. Um, look, defensively, that feels like a pretty good game, right? 14 points seems like you kind of figured them out defensively, which if you're going to talk about like the Zimmer versus Stefanski thing, that's the side of the ball, right? Um, and I would probably say that Zimmer got the better of Stefanski on that side of the ball, but it didn't matter because of what happened on the other side of the ball. But we should probably acknowledge that most of those drives included somewhere in there a terrible Baker Mayfield miss. Um, so we have to probably like make that a caveat and we can't quite take the 14 points at face value. Again, I'm going to get deeper into that later. Uh, but ultimately, the, the game comes down to so you're down 14-7 for the whole fourth quarter and you get three shots at a game-winning drive, probably. I would call it three. You uh, went three and out on one of them, and then you got so you get the ball back with like three and a half-ish minutes to go. They take about two minutes off the clock, and they were trying to drive down and take all of the time off the clock so they could kind of score as the clock hits zero so you don't give the other team the ball back. It's pretty classic clock management stuff. A lot of people were really mad about that. Like, why are they wasting time? They had three and a half minutes in all three timeouts, so they knew that if they did fail, they would be able to get the ball back, which turned out to be true. Uh, but they stalled out on that first drive. They uh, end up turning the ball over on downs. And then on the last drive, they had about a minute left and they had to use some timeouts to stop the clock. So they had one timeout on the way back and they had, yeah, so like a minute with one timeout needing a touchdown. Again, that's plenty of time. The Vikings have given up less 
you know, I've given up a touchdown with 20 seconds left and a timeout, you know, one minute and a timeout is forever. Um, but again, they end up not making it. They actually really, really struggled to move the ball on that drive. They took like 40 seconds to get the ball to midfield. And by the time they actually got within decent striking distance, they had about enough time for two more plays. And one of them was a check down. So, I mean, it was just this utterly pathetic offensive performance, just this absolute catastrophe of an offensive performance. And I don't think you can be too mean to it because everybody lost. Right? You can kind of say, okay, the offensive line, the offensive line was the true culprit, but there is a lot going on here. The offensive line got killed and the, the Browns didn't blitz a lot. It was a lot of rushing with four. They just lost all their matchups. There are a thousand absolutely hideously ugly, disgusting, I mean, c get him off the team kind of reps from Rashad Hill. This is the game we were worried about with Rashad Hill. If Christian Darisol wasn't going to be ready in time, what happens to Rashad Hill? This. It's this one. This is what we were worried about with, with Rashad Hill versus Miles Garrett. This is what we were worried about with Rashad Hill versus Chandler Jones, too. He did okay in that one. He got absolutely destroyed in this one. Oli Udo had a terrible game, which is super disappointing considering the game that he had last week um and you know the the rest of the offensive line wasn't great the o-line was terrible but nobody else was good either we had lots of problems with Kirk Cousins I'll get into those we had lots of problems with the with the wide receivers Adam Thielen didn't have a great day I thought Justin Jefferson was okay uh at least okay he might have been actually good um and you know the running backs had their problem Dalvin Cook was in and out of the game with an ankle injury there were actually a lot of players who tried to play this game through injury on both sides of the ball that kind of had to go in and out of the game and didn't really make it and probably were pushing it a little bit too hard um there was a lot going on here and th there were some problems with the coaching and the play calling too there was just a lot going on when you only score seven points in a game either there is something weird going on with like turnovers or uh you know like a weird you know sometimes there's games where each team gets the ball seven times and it's actually not that remarkable to only get seven points because the last couple times you turn it over on downs even though you got in a field goal range which is what happened here but when you only score seven points in a game and you get so thoroughly wrecked by what is clearly a superior team there's a lot to pick up. This isn't like one of those one-score games where you can look at all these little moments and say, well, maybe it was this, maybe it was that. Maybe if we went for that fourth down, you know, maybe if we converted on that play, maybe if he caught this pass. There are some of those, and there are some, you know, some plays we wish we had back. But for this, at least on the offensive side of the ball, you got your ass kicked. And if there's nothing else you take from this game, take from it that the Vikings offense got its ass kicked. That is what happened here. This is not a knife's edge game. Yeah, it was a one-score game. It didn't feel like a one-score game. And I think if Baker, Baker Mayfield were half of a quarterback, and go listen to Lockdown Browns, they're very worried about Baker Mayfield over there, so it's not just me being a homer. If Baker Mayfield were any bit better of a, of a quarterback, I think the Browns probably could have won this by double digits, by 30 points. They could have destroyed us. But Baker Mayfield left a lot of opportunities on the field. The Vikings failed to seize those opportunities because they played real bad. And that is, I, we got to pick up the pieces from that. I mean, when you are, I mean, when you get your ass kicked in the NFL, you can't dwell on it. We fans will because it hurts and that's okay. That, that's our prerogative. Uh, but when, when you're on the team, They'll have an awkward Monday morning that's probably unpleasant where you have to go through all that tape and, and, and go explain yourself on all the times you got killed. Uh, and then you move on and you start going to Detroit. And by the time the, the media actually talks to players on Wednesday, they will not have thought about this game in at least 36 hours. So it, that's the nice thing about the NFL. There are 13 more games 
If you can win enough of them, you can put this one away. But this one really stings, and there's a lot that we have to pick up. So we're going to do all that. But first, if you drive a lot, I want to help you out. I want to help you save on gas. Gas adds up, especially as the gas prices go up and up and up and up and up. It's a terrible time out there, right? GetUpside is an app you can get for free that saves up to 25 cents per gallon. If you drive a lot, that adds up to like two, 300 bucks a month. You can cash out whenever you like. There's no catch here, and you can cash out however you like. You can just have it directly deposit to your bank account, PayPal, Amazon gift card, whatever. GetUpside is a free app on Google Play or the iTunes App Store, and you can get up to 25 cents off per gallon. But it doesn't end there. Promo code TOUCHDOWN, when you sign up, gives you 25 cents more per gallon at the pump. That's 50 cents off per gallon at the pump. You're really mad about $3.50 gas? Now that's $3. Feels a lot better, right? That's promo code TOUCHDOWN when you sign up and you can start saving. Again, a free app on iTunes or Google Play. Promo code TOUCHDOWN for up to 50 cents off of your first tank at GetUpside. So I think I have to spend an entire segment of this on the offensive line. And we'll talk a little bit about the offense and, and kind of we'll, we'll play the blame game here for a little bit. And I usually don't like to, but I think it's probably an appropriate exercise to go for. Who do we blame for this absolute theater of offensive ineptitude? So it's probably the O-line. I don't think there's a spicy take where you can say this was secretly Clint Kubiak's fault. The offensive line got killed. They clearly were the worst players on the field today, and it showed, and the Browns took advantage of that. So here's some stats. Uh, the There were 40 dropbacks in the game, 38 passing attempts and two sacks. Of those, 22 of them were pressured. A 50% pressure rate, basically it's impossible to play offense with a 50% pressure rate. And if you want to just take that to work tomorrow and make that your take... 50%, over 50% pressure rate, uh, and nothing else could happen. You can take that to work, and that can be your take. But if you want to go a little deeper, of those, 16 of those pressures were pressure without a blitz, which means four players got pressure. That is impossible. It's impossible to have offense with those pressures. Now, I would imagine you know, the, the pressure rate last week wasn't that bad. Even it was, There were fewer pressures than there were blitzes, which is a really impressive thing last week against the Seahawks. Um, but when you are getting pressure that often with four, the difference between pressure with four and manufactured pressure with a blitz is immense because you got everybody in coverage when there's four. So the, the throw is hurried, the process is sped up, and when you have all seven guys that you're used to having in coverage actually staying in coverage, then you can extra punish that sped up process, and you can cause misses, you can cause mistakes, and you can cause all these problems, right? It is simply impossible to, to have a good play when they get pressure with four and seven in coverage. It is, is just impossible to have a good offense. You can get a good play here and there if you make a hero play, but it is just impossible to have like a viable offense when there is that much pressure with four. So what do you do about that? Well, we kind of got to keep playing the blame game before we can start figuring out what the solution would be. But it's hard because it's like, like I just said, you can probably just take, look, 22 pressure dropbacks, 16 pressure without even having to blitz. They barely had to try. They did a lot of stunts and twists and stuff, and we'll talk about those more, I think, later in the week. Uh, but they did those, and that's, like, difficult. But do we just chalk it up to that? Do we just say, all right, O-line bad, it's been the same forever, and then move on to Detroit? The Vikings might. Uh, and that might be healthy for them to do because they've got a you know a new opponent to prepare for. They've got a lot to do. 
but I don't think we can do that because there's a lot of other blame to go around here. The O-line was terrible, and if you want to rank them all, O-line's at the top of the list, but that doesn't mean the list ends at O-line. So I think we got to talk about Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins had his hand in this loss. I don't think it was more his fault than it was the O-line's, but to, to like absolve him of all blame I think would be equally as inappropriate. Um so there are a lot of decisions to make in the moment when there's pressure. Um, I don't want to chalk up pressure to, ah, well, there was pressure. Looks like that play wasn't going to be good. And that's not his fault that it was bad because it's pressure. Pressure is hard. And that's true. But I don't want to chalk it up to that because when there is pressure, there are a lot of decisions to make in the moment. Do you bail on the pocket? Where do you bail to? Do you bail backwards? Do you bail to the left, to the right? Do you maybe try to scramble? Uh, is there space somewhere to run to where you can then pull up and start looking downfield again? Uh, what is the nature of that space? How do I get to that space? Do I just need to sidestep? Do I need to run and roll all the way out to the pocket and turn it into a scramble drill? Can I throw it anywhere? Will I get strip sacked if I try to throw it right now? You know, can I just fire like a quick one and take the hit? Uh, will I get sacked? Will I get the ball batted? All these other decisions and questions you have to ask. And I thought Kirk Cousins did a really poor job with those questions. Again, a situation he shouldn't have been in that often. And that's okay to kind of take this all with an asterisk of, hey, but he shouldn't have had to deal with it that much. But you're going to have to deal with it some, always. That's just football, and he should have done it better. There is one play that I think encapsulates this perfectly, and it is a sack by Tack McKinley that happened in the third quarter, I think, uh, that the that Kirk Cousins um, pulled up and had a wide-open K.J. Osborne downfield, like walk-in touchdown wide open, total coverage bust. And I think it was such a perfect microcosm of Kirk Cousins because Kirk Cousins looked off the safety to make him that open. So he would not have been that open if there were a, a lesser, mentally lesser quarterback than Kirk Cousins. So you kind of saw, like, that's what Kirk Cousins does, right? He can do that. He can look off a of safety. He can manipulate guys. He can do the smart stuff. Um, and there was a little bit of pressure, kind of a messy pocket. But it was a pocket that he absolutely could have stood and fired. And he tried to. You could see him see it. He knew, I think, pre-snap that that was going to happen. So he looked up the safety, waited for the safety to break, and then he would throw the ball. A, he waited too long for the safety to break, and he probably could have thrown the ball far enough away from the safety where he could have thrown the safety out of that play. Whatever. He wanted to look off the safety. That's not really my biggest gripe here. Um, but then he, there was a little pressure from Rashad Hill, and Tack McKinley was coming around the edge with Brian O'Neill. Brian O'Neill would ultimately push Tack McKinley upfield and would have been out of the play. And instead of firing it, and Kirk Cousins absolutely had time to fire it, and instead of firing it, Kirk Cousins pulled it down. He even set his feet and tried to fire it. He did his typical like ball pat thing, and he almost did it and turned into closer to a pump fake. He pulled the ball down, he scrambles to the left, and he gets sacked. He didn't have to bail on that pocket. That pocket was messy, but it was there. He could have sidestepped. He could have worked that pocket a little bit, but he didn't need to break it entirely, and he did. And that's a problem that Kirk Cousins has a lot. He bails on pockets he does not need to bail on. And I think that decision point is one he's really bad at. So you got to keep him out of that decision point. The Vikings did a bad job of that, but you also have to criticize Kirk Cousins for being bad at that decision point. Um, and then he takes the sack. It would have been a walk-in touchdown in a game they lost by a touchdown. It's really hard for me to move on from that play because it encapsulates every single like critique I've ever had of Kirk Cousins. <laughs> He's, he sees the play. He knows what he's looking at. He totally could have made that throw, 
and then he didn't because he got scared of a strip sack that wasn't coming, and then he bailed on a pocket he didn't have to bail out of, and then he could have totally, like, at any point, he could have stopped and thrown that ball, but he scrambled too long, and he held the ball too long, and then he took a sack. It is such a Kirk Cousins play. And ultimately, I think Kirk didn't make the players around him better. He, he made them worse. He made the offensive line have to block for more, and they couldn't do it. When the offensive line failed to block, he highlighted it. When the wide receivers failed at their routes, he highlighted it. He did not elevate the players around him. He dragged them down. He was the anchor in this game. And that's not a good thing to be as a quarterback. And you can take that take. You can run it to a contract place, future of the franchise rebuild, whatever. But today, he made the players around him worse. And I don't think he was like actively terrible as a quarterback, but he certainly did not elevate the talent around him. And I think that's a big, big, big Kirk Cousins thing. And then Kubiak has his hand too. And I have to look closer, but I, I think some of the things that he does, like the he really had a low depth of target, a lot of quick throws, a lot of get the ball out and let guys make plays in space kind of plays. And I think that came back to haunt him because the Browns are a really good tackling team and kind of counter that. And then of course they got pressure with four. But when you get pressure with four as a coach, what do you do? Pause this. Think about it. Think of what you do. You know, let's say they go up against the Lions. The Lions get a lot of pressure with four. So first couple drives, Lions get a ton of pressure with four. You're Clint Kubiak. What do you do? Do you call screens? Well, they did. They were a catastrophe. Uh, do you keep in uh, a tight end or a running back to block? They took an insta-sack insta in max protect once. Eight people. They were triple-teaming Miles Garrett and took a sack almost at the exactly at the top of the drop back. Uh, do you try quick passes? Well, the wide receivers were losing at their releases, so the timing of that was messed up, and that would turn into a sack too. And like sometimes quick game would just get pressured that fast, which honestly is impressive. I'm like not even mad. Like, that's just incredible. <laughs> and I, I mean, the, Kubiak ran every idea that NFL teams have to mitigate pressure with four. And there has to be a point at which you go, okay, Clint, you did all you could. At a certain point, somebody has to beat someone. You, you can't play football where nobody wins a matchup and expect to have any control over the game. The only way you win a game where nobody beats anybody is if it's one of those games where the other team gets like 19 penalties and, you know, totally like pisses all over themselves and maybe you can win that game but otherwise somebody's got to beat somebody you can't draw a play where nobody has to beat anybody somebody's got to beat somebody and nobody beat anybody offense sucked so <laughs> so look i want to talk about the defense too uh the offense gets a lot more attention but there's some interesting stuff going on on defense but first do you sympathize with having too many logins for watching tv it's kind of weird you have to log into this device or this thing you know that this smart tv doesn't get this app and you want to watch this show which is only available here and you have to do it on your phone and then you're watching highlights maybe only live shows are on this and you have to log into everybody and sometimes you have to steal it from your mother-in-law and all that it, it, get rid of all that consolidate all that with direct tv stream it brings live and on demand together like never before you only need one device you only need one login it is all consolidated and right there for you the ultimate dream in universal te tv technology and the best part about it no annual contract get rid of all the clutter get rid of the confusion and get your tv together you can learn more at directtv.com that is directtv.com com where you can get direct tv stream i also want to talk to you about the best tasting protein bar on the planet what if you could eat a candy bar that had like 18 grams of protein and then like four grams of sugar and four grams of carbs and was keto friendly if you're doing the keto thing that's built bar built bar is a miracle is a dream come true you can have chocolate peanut butter and not feel guilty about it or chocolate mint or raspberry cookies and cream whatever floats your boat they have nine main series flavors they're all delicious i recommend the sampler box you can get two of each of their nine see what you like but they have other limited edition flavors that come by on the website as well so head on over to built.com 
com. That's uh, you can also do builtbar.com and you can uh, enter promo code locked15, L O C K E D 1 5, and you get 15% off of your next order. That's promo code locked15 at built.com. All right, so let's wrap this up on a lighter note because there were some pretty cool things on the defense and some things that we can be happy about. There's some blemishes and stuff, but ultimately they only give up 14 points and that's going to be the the figure that matters at the end of the day, right? Um, I think the biggest thing to take from this game defensively is that Dantzler played a lot of it, Cam Dantzler, and he was like pretty good. So Bashad Breland was dealing with an illness, so he only got like, I don't even think he got 10 snaps in the game. Um, and Chris Boyd uh, was inactive. He was out for the game, so... Uh, Cameron Dantzler was the primary backup, and when Breland was ill, he blew one coverage on the opening drive and then came out, went into the medical tent. I don't think he came back into the game ever. Um, Cam Dantzler came in, and Dantzler, I thought, did a really good job. He was actually tested one-on-one against uh, Odell Beckham at least one time, I think maybe a second, and he, he held up. And he played well. And boy, that's interesting because, of course, he notoriously has been practicing poorly. He notoriously has, uh, you know, he's been having this whole sort of off, like, interior drama, this locker room drama with with Cam Dantzler and and how he kind of has fallen from grace and is he in the doghouse and all this stuff. Well, he got in the game and he played well. And honestly, I think that takes you further than any preseason, any training camp, any practice performance, anything. You get into a real game that counts. You play well. Hopefully that ascends him up the depth chart. He's been better than Chris Boyd, at least as far as I can tell when he's been like when he's played in meaningful games. I thought his preseason was better, too. Obviously, the Vikings disagree with me, uh, but I don't know. I, I hope Dantzler can maybe come in and, and be the salve to the horror show that has been Bashad Breland. But that 14 points is misleading and I got to talk about it. So Baker Mayfield had open receivers all day and Odell Beckham destroyed Breland I thought he I think he got like one against Dantzler he beat him a lot of zone coverages um I thought Patrick Peterson when he was on Patrick Peterson's side I thought Peterson actually did a pretty good job I think Peterson actually had a really good game I have to look at it to confirm that but on my like on what you can see in the broadcast I thought he had a fantastic game but play action killed the defense and so did the run game and yeah the two are related um so lots of open guys around it was pretty ugly but Baker missed a lot of throws, a lot of open men, and he overthrew a lot of things. He was terrible. Locked on Browns is horrified with it. So we got a little lucky there to be only to only lose by 14 points. The run defense struggled. Uh, so I think both Vigil and Kendricks had bad days. I thought Blake Lynch coming in as the third linebacker kind of had an awesome day. Like he made a lot of plays and I never noticed him out of the fit. I think he had a fantastic day, which is so funny. Like Kendrick's bad, Blake Lynch good. This is how we drew it up, right? Um, uh, Michael Pierce uh, was clearly not 100% and he exited the game with an elbow injury. And from there, things got really hard. Um, I should probably call out there was a third and 20 as the second half dwindled down in the killer two minute drill. There was a stat that came out about this. The Vikings have given up two scores in the two-minute drill three times out of four games today this this year two scores not they've given up two scores in two-minute drills they've given up two scores in the same two-minute drill three times that is horrific that needs to change and part of that was a third and 20 where i think there's a penalty or something and the browns are backed up and they just did the give up white flag draw play and that converted and zimmer called it disgusting I agree. It was horrible. And, and I can't get that out of my head. We say, yeah, 14 points. It's like, but they gave up a third and 20. Fix that. 
But ultimately, I think the pro- a huge problem was way too much Sheldon Richardson and Armin Watson. That's hard when Michael Pierce is out. But also, I didn't think Dalvin Tomlinson got enough snaps. I think they had about an even snap share between Richardson and Tomlinson. I think that was a huge mistake against the zone run Nick Chubb Kareem Hunt team. I think that was a really bad coaching decision. But there were a lot of good plays. Of course, Dantzler had a few of his good plays. Daniel Hunter was Daniel Hunter. Um, I, he got a, a sack or two. He was all over the place. Everson Griffin was phenomenal. He should just be the starting uh, defensive lineman. Now, at his age, you got to put him on a pitch count, right? He, can, he can't play a whole game. That's just going to gas him. Um, but on that pitch count, when you can't, whatever you can get out of him, I mean, milk every ounce of football you can get out of this guy because he is bawling. Uh, he's he's sacked daddy is back. You can take that to the bank. The safeties, I thought, did a pretty good job, especially filling in the run, coming in and filling in the run. Now, they usually they were starting really, really far back, and I think that's part of it. You've played a lot of too high safety, which means safety not in the box, which means it was easier to run, and then your run defense struggled. Um, but I think part of that is dealing with Cameron Dantzler and stuff, so it's a give-take. Um, but I think overall, you know, then you get a 14-point effort. That probably should have been more like a 21 or a 27, 28-point effort. But let's talk about the holding penalty. The holding penalty. So the Vikings were defending on the goal line. It was 7-0. to zero, And the Browns get first and goal from like the two. And they go all the way to fourth down. On that fourth down, Eric Kendricks commits a holding penalty. It gets called. Browns get set up with a fresh set of downs. And from there, I think they score on third and goal. That holding penalty got a lot of run. And I'm so sorry. This is not going to go over well. You're not going to like it. It was holding, man. It's not a bad call. So there's two things. A, he hooked the wide receiver with his wrist, and he tugged at the jersey. Both of these were quick. In real time, they look real, real fast, and so that might make you think it's a ticky-tack holding penalty. It does not matter how fast it was. You hook the wrist, you tug the jersey, they call it every time. The only time they don't call that is when they don't see it. I'm so sorry that you want to blame the refs instead of the team for being bad, but that was it was a holding penalty. Somebody called me a ref jock rider on Twitter for calling it a holding penalty. That person can pound sand. It was a holding penalty. It's it's I'm sorry. You can't you don't want to get called for holding on fourth down, don't hold on fourth down. But you 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 hook them with the wrist, you grab the jersey no matter how quick it is if the ref sees it he calls it that is the end of story they are trained to call that every single time there is not a degree of jersey tug that is okay you tug the jersey you get a holding call Eric Kendricks held it was a bad play on his part and he shouldn't have got called for it so I'm sorry it was holding and honestly even if you think it's a bad call it totally derailed the team for like three drives after that and you just can't let that happen the team's just too young for that so really really frustrating game the, you can you can hear it in my voice. I'm very frustrated with them because they can be better than this. And that was their line after the game. You heard it from Zimmer and you can tell that it has uh, permeated throughout the entire roster. They say, we are a good football team, damn it. We know we can be a fo- good football team. We need to prove it. We know we haven't proven it. We acknowledge that we haven't proven it. But damn it, we are a good football team. And I believe them. And I'm not going to stop believing in them. They're going to go to Detroit. Hopefully that can be some kind of, uh, or they're going to play against Detroit at home. Hopefully that can be some kind of get right game. And then you have probably a pretty big one against Carolina. If you can win those, be 500 at the bye. A lot of this feels a lot better. But right now we're in the, we're in the pits. We're in the gallows because they got their asses kicked by a clearly superior team. And yeah, that superior team is in the AFC. But you know what? The Browns aren't the best team in the league. There are other teams that are better than them. And if the Browns did that to you, what are the Packers going to do? What are the Rams going to do? They held up okay against the Cardinals. What would the Bucks do if you have to play them in the playoffs? How can you possibly look at and, and convince yourself that you're a championship team unless you play better? They got to play better. That's it. 
So thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. Your second listen should be the Locked On Bets podcast. Your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling will help you get, help you get your grambles straight, especially with Monday, Monday Night Football coming up. Tomorrow's Twitter Tuesday. Get your questions in. You can send them to me at LukeBronNFL or at LockedOnVikings on Twitter. Fill out the Google form in the show notes or send an email to LockedOnVikingsPodcast at gmail.com or leave a YouTube comment if you're watching on YouTube. I will check those out as well. I'll see you all tomorrow for that. And as always, Skull.